0: The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician, and she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy.
1: Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I fix problems. I don't make them. And the absolute dysfunction of our 117th Congress is a significant problem for all Americans, regardless of your tax bracket, your ethnicity, how old you are, what your citizenship status is, what your career is or was or will be, whatever your political party preference is or if you don't have a party preference, doesn't matter. For years on radio and on this podcast, I've referred to successive congressional sessions as the most expensive debating society in the world. But that was the good old days. Today, Congress has degenerated further into the best paid Toastmasters chapter in the entire world. It's nothing more than a series of five-minute, more or less, speeches recorded in an otherwise empty chamber or disguised as a question aimed at bombarding any witness unfortunate enough to be called before a committee or a subcommittee of the House or Senate. No wonder FBI Director Christopher Wray has said, he'll be up to the Hill again sometime in June. Right now, he's a little too busy to be harangued by a bunch of carnival barkers. It wasn't always this way, but there's been a steady degeneration through the first two decades of the 21st century into a cauldron of grievance, aggrievement, gotchas, character assassination, scandals that possess the press, but not the ethics committees of either the House or the Senate. The unvarnished pursuit of personal power at the expense of the body politic, the Constitution, and the mortgage we've already placed on our children's futures. And it's on both sides of the aisle, and it's in both chambers. You know, there are some really smart, capable, and even well-meaning members of both parties, and in both chambers. But their good intentions and their good ideas are blocked by a wall of partisanship at both the committee and the caucus level. You see, all of what they're talking about in Washington, about who's going to pay and who's going to gain and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know what? It's all just a con. It's all just a con on us, the American people. And it's time we said enough. It's time for major reform of the institutions of Congress. Now, I'm not a big fan of what happens at the state legislative level either. <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of what happens at the state legislative level either. But for the purpose of the 25 minutes or so that we have to spend together, Let's focus on Congress. More than we need to get dark money out of politics, we need to get politicians out of politics. The purpose of serving in Congress is to represent the people of the district, not for the congressperson to have a steady paycheck to pay off a bare mortgage. Time and grade, as the military term it, does not make a person smarter Or more committed to the common good. It makes them want to hold on to the power and perquisites as long as possible, beginning with the country mile advantage of incumbency in every election after their first. Time and grade means that we have members in Congress who have been there for decades. for those decades, they have no legislative accomplishments to show. They do a minimum of constituent service. Ted Cruz in Cancun during the Texas ice storm comes to mind. Decades of a congressional paycheck and accompanying benefits from retirement to travel change the perspective of the member from leader of his community to mere servant of its loudest voices. The only two priorities for most of the men and women in Congress are staying in power and privilege and raising money to ensure retaining that power and privilege. Often it means sticking around until they carry you out feet first. For example, Chuck Grassley is the 10th longest serving member of the Congress ever in the history of the country. He is in his seventh six-year term as a United States senator at the age of 87. He started his political representation career in the Iowa legislature in 1959. He earns $193,000 a year for holding that Senate seat There's no pay for performance in the Congress of the United States. I'm not casting any aspersions here, but how much legislative work does he really accomplish? When did he last pass a significant bill? Benny Thompson is a very popular Mississippi Congressman who is 73 and has been in Congress since 1993. Benny is an outspoken member of the very progressive Black Caucus. He voted against the Democratic Election Reform Bill known as HR1 and in the Senate as S1, you know, the one you see all the TV commercials about, because he likes his gerrymandered Mississippi district just fine. He doesn't want some objective commission drawing congressional district lines around his district. Heck, redrawing that line but through a commission might even create some competition for Benny in the 2022 primary. Time in grade is hurting our democracy because it misaligns the objectives of the politician and the governed. It is time for term limits in Congress, as well as in the executive branch. I mean, we have a constitutional amendment that limits the president, okay, um, to two terms there's a special kind of myopia at play when politicians wanna impose term limits on the judges they confirm to call balls and strikes on their legislation. Well, wanting to avoid accepting those same limits on themselves. And not just term limits like we have in California where if a politician is termed out on the board of supervisors, well, then you just run for the state assembly. They have a whole set of chairs. You know, it's, it's a little process. It's like, you, it's like a conveyor belt. You know, you term out of one, the person ahead of you is then termed out of the next office and so and so on and so forth, okay? Real term limits. Real term limits would require that a termed out legislature at the state or the federal level would have to return to his or her business or profession to work and live in the community for several years before running for another office. Legislating as being a matter of service to the public rather than a principal career. And as our founding fathers, expected when they created the Congress to be elected every two years in the Senate, every six. Okay, that's how they thought the system would work, that legislating would be service, not a career. You know, George Washington could have stayed for a third term as president. The nation would have welcomed it. But he chose to return to Mount Vernon. It wasn't until FDR, until Franklin Delano Roosevelt wore out his welcome and then died in office, that Congress thought it was necessary to codify the two-term limit as an amendment to the Constitution, rather than just a custom established in the beginning by George Washington and followed until we got to Roosevelt. A legislator who knows they will have to be accountable to the people they represent, as their customer, their client, their patient, or their colleague after their service in Congress would be much more conscientious toward the whole community than is the partisan patrician of today's Congress. One of the arguments that's used against the imposition of term limits is that it takes several terms in the Congress to understand the ins and outs of complex legislation. Since legislation is translated from talking points into text by a bevy of lawyers who work for the various congressional committees as well as for individual members of both houses, that argument tends to be specious because members of Congress don't really draft legislation. Equally to the point, the powerful chairmanships of committees in the Congress are subject to term limits. Having termed out of an important committee chairmanship is often the reason for a member of Congress to decide to retire. Another argument against term limits has been that it empowers the unelected, unaccountable, anonymous bureaucracy who really run the government. Well, I agree. They really do. They really do run the government, but you can't have civil service reform absent congressional reform because the civil service unions are the major financial backers of many members of Congress. Nor would it be enough only to impose term limits. Reducing the power of the partisan extremes on both ends of our political process is fundamental to moving legislation with purpose through the Congress on a regular basis. Our constitution assumes legislation will come through compromise, through investigation, debate, looking for the greater good, for the greater many, and that the extreme voices on both the right and the left in Congress reflecting the most partisan voices in the electorate would not become a cement-like block against compromise. That fairness, that progress for the American people, that threats to our national security would, in the opinion of those who wrote the constitution and those who believe that that this democracy needs reform, It is those three principles of fairness, of progress for the American people, and to avoid threats to our national security that should drive compromise through investigation and debate toward the center of American political thought. We've got to return to a governing process in which the voters choose their representatives and not the reverse. We need an end to state legislative gerrymandering. To do this, Democrats propose in HR 1 S1 to federalize the California and Michigan system of districting by independent commission. There are only a couple of problems with this approach, as we found in California. Members of commissions are appointed by members of the state legislature. So there we've injected some politics into the process. And two, Democrats in California use the communities of interest language in the 1964 Civil Rights Act to essentially gerrymander districts of color, districts of national origin, and districts that were made into less competitive uh, arenas for certain incumbents. The only truly fair way to draw districts, and Benny Thompson and others recognized this fact, which is why they voted no. The only fair way to create competitive congressional districts is to start in the westernmost corner of each state and count from one to 760, 920 people and say, okay, you're a district, deal with it. Then 760, 921st person to 1,521,839, you're district number two, deal with it. And so on until all the residents of the state are grouped into districts. Grouping people by simple arithmetic in the most geographically compact district possible would force more moderate candidates to surface because they would need to be able to cross ideological lines in order to win enough votes on practical terms to have a winning majority in the electoral count. Add a jungle primary to this form of districting, where you have any number of candidates and the top two primary vote getters go to the or top three, whatever you, you want, go to the general election. If you did that, if you had num- numeric districting and a jungle primary, you'd have a radically different Congress, even without talking about term limits you'd have a Congress that looks a whole lot more like America today. You'd have a Congress that looks a whole lot more to the North, to the South, to the West, and a lot less to the power perfumed unreality within the Washington beltway. That's a Congress that might be able to make some significant progress toward ensuring a 21st century America that is once more nimble and optimistic, living within its means, innovative, an example of the possibilities of democracy rather than a caricature.